Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. All right, Romans 8. Let's open up our Bibles to Romans 8. Got one verse we're going to cover because we got a lot. As Romans 8 starts to close out, man, there's a lot here, and I don't want to rush through it. Romans chapter 8, Bible says in verse number 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Lord, I do pray you help me tell your truth from your word, to your saints to be edified in Jesus' name. Amen. The first word we see here, and it's connecting, it's the seventh thought, if you will, and it's designed and to reconcile this thought of suffering in the Christian's mind and in the Christian's life. Back in verse number 18, it says, not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in reference to suffering. Uh, you get down some more, 19, 20, 21, you see that the creation waits in hope. You see that we, like the creation, wait and hope for that glory. In verse number 23, it's basically, okay, together we're going to groan, and together we're going to wait with some patience, and in the meantime, we're going to deal with this suffering issue. Verse number 26, it just opened wide open about how the Spirit, it don't take away our infirmities, but the Spirit helpeth with our infirmities. This idea of the Christian now, Helping the, helping the Christian's mind to be reconciled to this idea of suffering here on this earth. And then in verse number 27, we learned last week, we know that we should pray. Why? Because we're in suffering. But we need the Holy Spirit to intercede. We need the Lord Jesus Christ to intercede. Because in our time of suffering, and even if we're not suffering, we don't even know what we should pray. So we talked about God getting the message received. God the Father receiving the message from the Spirit and the Son as they filter out and make our prayers go to God and make them right. You know what you got in verse number 28? We, we've got, and we know. In verse number 28, we have, not we feel, not, and we think, well, I, you know, we're just going to kind of see how things go. No, no, no. God's not going to leave us with a think so or a feel so. God's leaving us with a know so. And it's his desire that you and I would have complete confidence in him. That what? We know that all things are good. No. All things aren't good. And that's not what the verse says. Now we like to come to this verse and we would like to read the words and then try to Refilter it in our minds to say, well, I, all things are just going to be good. No, all things aren't good and all things aren't going to be good. There's a lot of evil in this world. In the Old Testament, Amos the prophet speaking concerning an evil time, he said, seek good and not evil. Why did the prophet say that? Because there is a lot of evil. Hate the evil and love the good. Why does he have to say that? Because people love evil. 
young people especially, pay close attention. Evil abounds. Everything and everybody isn't good. There's a lot of filth. There's a lot of evil. And it comes in a very various ways. I'm not here to overstep my bounds as a parent. But I am going to speak as a parent. And I'm going to do my best to stay in my lane as a preacher and not cross over into a lane that I shall ought not be in. So I'll speak as a parent, but I will speak to you with, with thoughts as a parent, but I'll speak to you as a preacher. You need to be cautioning your children that there is evil in this world. Simple concerning evil, but they do need to know it exists. Whether you send your kid to public school, whether you send your kid to Christian school, whether you homeschool your kid. I can make the argument that there's a lot more evil in public school. But guess what? There's still evil in Christian school. And guess what? There could still be evil if you homeschool. Well, I homeschool, so I'm protected against that. No, you're not. You got a computer in the house? You got a phone in the house? You have cable hooked up to it? Yeah, internet without filters for kids. Well, my kids won't find it. Wrong thinking. Your kids don't have to find it. It finds them. It finds them. Right? And if you want your daughter to stay pure in her mind and in her heart, protect her from evil. If you want your son to have his mind pure, and his heart stayed pure. It's your job as a parent to protect them from evil. My job as a preacher is to protect my kids. And my job as a preacher is to tell you to consider protecting your kids. The Bible says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Now tell me that's not what's happening in today's world. You see what they're passing in public schools? Do some of these videos show up on parents from PTAs that go in front and they talk about what's being read and they don't want them to read it because it's so vile, yet the kids, parents send their kids to school and they get to hear this stuff? It's vile, evil. These people are evil. They hate God. They do. They hate Christians. If there's one person that they want to shut down, it's churches like this. It's preaching like this. It's people like this. The question is, are you willing to fight for good? It's called a good fight. They hold on eternal life. Go to 2 Timothy 3. It's not time for daddies to go to sleep. It's not time for mamas to fall asleep on the job. It's time to rise up. We need to get our heads out of the sand. We need to do something. We need to protect our kids against evil. We know, we know not all things are good. <laughs> all things aren't good. Watch it says, like Timothy 3, verse number 12. Bible says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Do you want to live godly in Christ Jesus? Here's the promise. You will suffer persecution. A 
parent, a Christian parent that stands up against what's going on in these government-controlled, humanistic, religious, atheist religious institutions are going to be persecuted. You want to live a life of godliness, you're going to be persecuted. And don't think it's going to get better. Verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Do you know you can get to a point where when you are deceived, you are now no longer consciously trying to deceive someone? You realize that? There's a difference where you know someone has an evil agenda and they are purposefully trying to deceive you. Do you know you can pass from that point and end up being so deceived that you're that under that deception, you are arguing for something that's right when it's wrong, but you honestly think it's right. You're so deceived. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. That's why the church is the pillar and ground of truth. You've got to get it out of Christ's church or you won't get truth. I don't care how conservative the candidate says they are. They're not biblical. They're not. They might have some biblical principles they're trying to get the conservative vote for. <clears throat> but you put them all together in one room, you're going to have a hodgepodge of ecumenicalism. That's what's going to happen. It's just going to wax worse and worse. Go back to Romans chapter 8. When you read this verse, it's not, and we know that all things are good. No, we know that all things work together for good. Well, hold on. Is that true? Romans 8.28 is one of those verses that Christians just chop to pieces and make their own doctrine out. Do you know in good Bible-believing churches, there are men, Christian men who are saved and on their way to heaven that leave their wives you think that worked out for good? A home wrecked? Children that have to live with that? You think that's good? That is not good. You've all heard stories and experienced them either personally or through friends of a church split. Where one man or one woman has a little network going on. And then the next thing you know, the thing's split. And you think that's a good, that is not a good thing. Because down here on earth, everything doesn't work together for good. It just doesn't. People think, well, I'm saved and I'm in church and we're doing the right thing. And as we do the right thing, we have to remember there are some things that are going to be evil that aren't going to be good. And they're not going to work. It's, it, look, this is not going to turn out good. It's not. And it happens all the time in different situations. So let's read the entire, well, 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 let's read to the comma in the verse. And we'll get the complete thought that God is saying. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. Do you love God? What does that mean? What does that mean? 
because we've got a verse here that's committed to those who are told that they love God. Not those that want their way. You want your way to heaven? You can have it down here on earth and argue for it. But when you pass from this earth, God's going to put you in a place where you're going to wish you hadn't been. You can have your way to heaven temporarily until that temporary season ends. You give someone the gospel and they say, well, that's not the way I see it. We gave someone leaving. I think the last track we tried to give out. The guy said, ah, out the window with that. He didn't want it. Tried a second time. He don't want it. He don't want it. You can have. I just don't see it that way now. But it's not always going to be that way. So if it says in verse number 28, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. How do I know? How do I know that I love God? And how do you know that you love God? How do you know that? What does that mean biblically? Go to John 5. Let's get an understanding of that. In the context of John chapter number 5, we'll see in verse 39. Verse number 39, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men. This is Jesus speaking. You don't want to come to me, no eternal life. Then he says in verse 42, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. Jesus is speaking specifically about someone who doesn't love God. It doesn't love him. And then in verse 43, Jesus says, I am come in my father's name. And if ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How do I know this morning? That I have the love of God. How do I know that I love God? John 5 tells us. That if you have not received him. Then Romans 8.28 doesn't apply to you. If you have received him. John 5 tells us. Then you have the love of God. Because you have received him. And if you haven't received him. You don't love God and Romans 8.28 doesn't apply to you. It is a verse for believers and can only be claimed by believers. And we saw that whole theme in, in Romans 8 as it started. We see the whole theme. It's Christians. Romans 7 is the funeral march. Romans 8 is the wedding march. It's this glorious truth of the Holy Spirit working through us. Look at 1 John 5. Keep your finger in Romans 8. Look at 1 John 5. Uh, 1 John 4, rather. 1 John 4, verse number 7, Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is love. Okay. What does that mean, Lord? And everyone that loveth is what? Born of God and knoweth God. 
How in the world can you claim Romans 8, 28? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. If those that love God have been born of God. You see that? It's a, it's a verse for Christians. If you are saved, you are, you are able to claim Romans 8, 28. Uh, first John chapter four, and then look at the ninth verse. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Who loved first? God. When you're born of God, what do you receive? The love of God. And now you can claim to them that love God. Because before you were saved, you were God's enemy. The love was one way. He loved you enough to die for you. Now, what do you have now? Look at the next. Beloved of God, verse number 11. So loved us. We ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him. And he in us. Because he hath given us of his spirit. For God, we don't love him. For his enemy, it goes one way. After we're born again, we have the love of God. As we live the Christian life, the spirit of God loves for us. That love for one another, it comes from the spirit of God dwelling in us. Remember before we were reading about the prayer? We're supposed to pray, but we don't pray right. The Spirit helps us. Are we supposed to love as Christians? We don't know how to love right. Guess who helps us? The Spirit. It's the same idea. Romans 8 is all about the Spirit helping us. Look at verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwelleth in him and he in God. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. God dwells in you. God is love. So therefore, the thought is, his love dwells in you. A lot of verses on love to show that you've got to be a believer. That's what it's referring to. Back to Romans 8, 20. With that said, we know that all things work together for good, them that love God, them are the called according to his purpose. The big takeaway I want you to come away with is that this is one of the greatest promises from God given to believers. And we've got to get a hold of this promise. It's for believers. And it's unconditional. Look at the last verse. Of Romans 8. Nor height nor depth. Nor any other creature. Shall be able to separate us. 
from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You have glory. We talked about that. It's waiting for you. You have prayer. God's going to filter it right so it gets to God the Father. Or the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ is going to filter it right so it gets to God. But you also have love if you're born again that is not going, God's love is not going to leave you. Some of the preachers say this, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> you know why? You know why I inserted that there? Because there's times that I don't love God and you don't love God, but his love in us isn't going to fail. <laughs> man, oh man, if, was, if that verse was, man, all things work together for good to them that love God. Well, I'm out because I don't always love God. But God's love dwells in me and the spirit makes sure that that is not going to be separated from me. I can't pray right and I can't love right. But the Spirit can make some intercession and help me. Now, I don't want to break. Look, I know this is going to be hard to hear and hard to understand. And I don't like even saying it. And because I don't like saying it, preachers and denominations have to come up with different doctrine so that they can deal with this hard statement that's going to be said. And it's this. A man who gets born again and gets saved, washed in the blood by trusting Christ and in nothing else. He goes out witnessing. He goes out door knocking. He helps with Sunday school. The kids listen to good music. The kids dress right. They're faithful to church. But something crept into his heart. And the next thing you know, he's got a little side relationship going on that nobody knows about until somebody knows about. That man can say he loved his wife all he wants. He did not love his wife. And he can bring to the preacher all he wants. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And he'll rest that verse to his own destruction because he did not love God when he did that. And the marriage is ruined and that wife is distraught. She thought one thing and another thing played out. And those kids are ruined because they thought daddy was one man and he ended up being another man. And if you think good preaching stops it, I've been under some good preaching and I sit back in the pew and I think to myself, how in the world did that happen? My preacher always said, welcome to the ministry, Jimmy. You sure you want to do this? You sure you want to do this? He'd say it a second time. Now, here's the hard part. Was he saved? You know what didn't leave him? God's love. You know where he's going to be when he dies? The same place you're going to be when you die 
and you didn't leave your wife. Because salvation is by grace. And when I say that, that's the hard part. Because we think in our mind, that guy couldn't have been saved. That guy, he could not have done that and have been saved. Because you think in your mind, I would never do that. And you fail to consider that maybe God has been so gracious to you that he hasn't even put you in that situation. Because if he did, you probably would have fell three times as hard as the guy that you think shouldn't be in heaven because he did something you wouldn't have done. You know what doesn't fail? God's love. Does that man receive some consequences? Yes. Is he unfit to preach? Yes. Is he unfit to teach a Sunday school? Yes. Does the church need to do the discipline and deal with that? Yes. And nobody likes any. But God said, for all things, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And the only thing that's going to work out for good is when that man dies, he's going to end up in heaven. And in the meantime, it's hell on earth. I don't like it. I don't like it any more than you like it. But it's either, it's either you're saved by grace and then you have to keep it by good works. And if you do a really, really bad sin that you won't do, then you lose your salvation. Right? That's what the, that's what the teach. People who don't believe in eternal security think, as long as you don't do these sins, you know where they get that? Because they're sick of dealing with stuff that Christians do that are just stupid, sinful things. To them that love God, you say, preacher, I would never do that to my spouse. Okay. Have you ever told a lie? As a saved person, all things work together for good to them that love God. Well, you didn't love God when you were lying to your brother. But guess whose love won't fail? God's love. God's love. If you're born again, you can claim this verse. Because those that are born again have the love of God. Your love fails, we have the Holy Spirit to help work it out. Okay. Uh, something to point out here. It's a one of the most beautiful passages in the King James Bible. We know that all things work together for good. Them love called, uh, them love God. Them who are the called according to His purpose. Now the RSV and the Good News Translation, maybe some others, they render this verse. We know that in everything God works for good with those who love Him. Well, number one, that's not a promise, that's a statement, because I know God works good. But I also know Christians who say they love God, but they don't always work with God. The translation shouldn't be with, for the examples that we have just given. David loved God. David has a whole psalm, 63, dedicated to how much he loves God. And you know what David did? The example that we just gave. How about that? The RSV. How about that? It's not a promise. It's a statement. The other, Simon Peter, Lord, thou knowest I love, that, that I love thee. He denied him three times. 
Does anybody deny that David loved God? I believe he did. Did anybody deny that Simon Peter loved God? I believe he did. He's out weeping after his denial. But you know what they didn't do? They loved God, but they didn't work with God. It shouldn't be rendered. God works for good with those who love him. Not only is RSV given a statement, it gives it as a false statement. I don't know if this is supposed to be for comedic effect or not. Because they, they, there is an RSV virus. <laughs> so I don't know if you can make that into that, what that translation is. That's a virus, a respiratory virus. Don't read that thing. Not with those. Not with those. It's rendered correctly together. All things work together for good to them that love God. All right. What else do you see in this verse? At the end of the verse. I love my definite articles. I hope you do. To them who are called according to his purpose. They tell me, did I read that right? Left without one word. The. A definite article means it's definite. The call. Another proof that this is for believers. And you are you are rendered as in this verse. The called Matthew 24, it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew 10, it says, so the last shall be first and the first last for many be called, but few are chosen. You can be part of the are called crowd. You can be part of the be called crowd, or you can be part of the true born again Christian crowd that is called and rendered here as the called. And you know what I am? The called. You know what you are? If you've trusted Christ. The call. Bible doesn't say to them who are called according to his purpose. What do you mean call? Are called, be called, or the call? You are the called. We see in Romans 1 as well. We saw it when we first started studying Romans. Among whom also you also. Let me try that again. It's the archaic language in the King James. Or it might just be an Italian guy that just talks too fast. I don't know. I don't know, one or the other. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? That phrase, the called, shows up in Romans 1 and it shows up here in Romans 8, 28. You've got, in Romans 1, you've got Paul. He's separated under the gospel of God. He's received God's grace. And now all of those believers in Rome that he's writing to under the Holy Spirit's inspiration are, are, are called be called. They're believers. They're believers. And it's according to whose purpose in Romans 8. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Those are believers. That's our first clue. To them that who are the called. Again, we just referenced that according to his purpose. Okay, now what is his purpose? I can't open up these two verses this morning because we won't get out of here in time to get the Sunday sale at the Golden Corral buffet. We'll be here for three hours. So I've got to split this. I've got to split these verses up. But what is his purpose? When we talked about prayers, you're going to get filtering from 
the Son of God, the Spirit of God. And the prayer is going to work out for God's purpose by the time it gets to God, because the Spirit's going to help. So what's his purpose? Verse 29 and 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. Oh boy, there's the word twice. What does that mean? Well, we'll find out next week. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Are you saved? Are you justified? You are. You know what you haven't been yet? Fully glorified. And you know what you haven't yet been conformed to? The image of his son. And you know who's going to see that as your destiny? God and his Holy Spirit. You have a destiny before you get saved. You are, your destiny is eternal hell. After you get saved, you have a destiny. You have a new destination <laughs> to be conformed to his image. Getting ahead of myself, so I'll stop. We'll save it for next week. But you haven't been glorified yet. And you haven't been fully conformed to the image of Christ. But guess who is going to see that that purpose comes to pass? The intercession of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ. That will happen. That is his purpose. And you've got prayers and I've got prayers and you've got circumstances and I've got circumstances. And we imagine how it should go. We've got a vision. We've got a plan. Here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. What God's going to do in your life is the right plan. He is going to conform you to his son's image and he is going to glorify you. That is his purpose for you as a believer. That will come to pass. It doesn't matter what your plan is. If you love me, keep my commandments. Try that one on your kid. I need you to sweep the floor. When you're done sweeping the floor, I need you to make your bed. When you're done making your bed, I need you to clean up the closet. Because last time you cleaned your room, you threw everything in the closet. You think it was open the closet door. And then you say, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obey the Bible. Well, this is slave labor. I can't wait to tell on you. I can't wait till grandma comes over. I'm going to tell her all the mean things you make me do. If you love me, keep my command. Now, would any parent here argue that their kid doesn't love them? Of course your kids love you. They just don't love you at that moment in the right way. The love isn't. The love has to be what? Fixed. By mom or dad. And you know what God does for us? The Holy Spirit does for us? Oh yeah, Lord, we love you. We love you. And then the Lord says, hey, do this, 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 this. And you don't want to do it. You're like the kid with the room. I'm like the kid with the room. So you know what the Holy Spirit has to do? Same thing with our prayers. Has to come in and kind of fix it up. You know, we say this all the time to our spouses. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I love you, honey. I love you. Oh, you're just the best. You know, you're the best. Love you. Love you. 
And then she has a list of things for you to do, you know, go to Lowe's, go get this, go track supply, go get this. I'd like this to be fixed. I'd like that to be fixed. And at the end of the week, none of it's fixed. She said, well, I thought you loved me. I do. Just not when you ask me to do those things and they don't get done. What has to happen? There needs to be some filtering going on. That's us. That is us with God. We know all things work together for them that love God. Remember the call according to his purpose. Except we, we say we love God, but we don't love him how he ought to. So the same with our prayers. The Holy Spirit has to filter it out. Just like we have to with our kids. We got to fix it so the thing goes right. The Holy Spirit has to fix it so our love goes right. And he is going to conform us to that image. And we are going to be glorified. That is God's purpose. It just hasn't happened yet. You just think of a child, you know, you go, we were fishing the other day, and it was a fun time. At the very end, it seemed like the waves were picking up or something. You imagine a child out in the boat by himself, and all of a sudden, he's in a little John boat, and all of a sudden, all those waves start. He's not going to be able to get himself ashore. If his father was out there, and the waves start to pick up, and the little boy tries to, with the oar, he tries to correct, but his father's right there to help himself in self-correction. He helps him out. And every time that child tries to do something, he's just headed for disaster. But the father right by the side, helping that child out. You know, you know what's going to happen? The purpose will be accomplished. They will get to shore. That is a picture of our love for God. Nobody in here would deny that they don't love God. We just don't love him like we ought to. So the spirit helps us. And we will be conformed to that image. We will be glorified because that is God's purpose. And he doesn't lie. In Romans 8, in the first verse, it says there is now, therefore, now no condemnation. We're talking about believers, folks, through this whole passage. And we'll get into it more on the purpose 28 or 29 and 30 next week. But I'd like to close out with having you looking at the last verse. You've got no condemnation in the first. And we read this last verse earlier, but it says, shall nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. First verse, no condemnation. Last verse, no separation. And in between that no separation and no, condemn, uh, no condemnation sandwich is suffering and trial. And people who are saved that do awful things. And God says, that's why I gave my Holy Spirit and my purpose for you is, I am going to work it out. I am going to work out the details for good. And the good is, the glory is, the purpose is, that you and I will be conformed to his image. In the meantime, what you have in the middle is a lot of tribulation. And let me just say this. Young people especially pay attention. Adults pay attention, please. We're used to the vanity of this life. And the things that pleasure our flesh make us feel good. I'm here to tell you this morning on the authority of God's word. Are you saved this morning? You are, you are saved from hell. Praise God. But God is so glorious. He is so holy. He is so just. 
if God saved you from hell, which he did, and all he gave you is a cardboard box to live in behind Walmart, where all the homeless people in town are camping out, if that is all that God gave you, that is enough to give him praise for all eternity. But he didn't give you that. He gave you eternity in heaven, and he promised that your destination would be to be conformed to his image, and you would be glorified. But if all he gave you was a smelly cardboard box and say, go sleep out with the slums, it's better than hell. We don't realize how glorious God is. We don't realize how glorious the gospel is. We're so used to comfort that we think we're saved and we deserve heaven. He saved you from heaven. And the quicker you and I realize that everything in this world is just vanity, the quicker we'll realize and get a hold of what good is. It's being conformed to his image. Lord, I just want to be at a place where nothing in this world excites me. Like living for Christ excites me. I want to get to a place in this life and I don't know if I'm going to get there. I don't know if you're going to get there. But I think we should pray to that end. Where it doesn't matter how much misery comes my way. I am not going to be miserable. Because of Christ. He is all I need. What is good? Being conformed to the image of Christ. You know when that begins? When you're saved. If you're not saved, you can't claim hold of this verse. Next week, we'll talk more about all the predestination stuff. But now, you got to know, good, good, being conformed to his image. Love, you can't get it right. His love dwells in you. The Spirit will help filter all that love out so it looks right. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.